You're listening to a Rock Candy podcast. No matter where you are, no matter if we're long, they follow our path. Oh, now your voicemails succeed. They make all the friends you need. They find passion. Coming to you from Magnified Studios, Magnified Pod presents, it's hard to find a podcast covering, <laughs> you know what, you know, John, we're covering, we're covering Craig's brother today because we're talking to Ted Bond. That's right. You know, there's no, there's no normal intro because this is not a normal episode. Yeah. We are, we're going back. Season three, we're talking Craig's brother with our boy, Ted Bond, lead singer of Craig's brother. They got a new album out. Hmm. Easily won, rarely deserved. That was Violent Faith, one of the singles off the new record that everybody should be listening to right now. Hmm. What a good conversation. Yeah, man. What a delight. Uh, about, a, about a year ago, we had a, a month of Craig's brother contents on the pod. Uh, they were some of my favorite episodes that we did during yes. season three because there's just so much to chew on in terms of uh, Ted's thoughtfulness and the band's thoughtfulness. Those albums rip like the, like I said that that was my big sort of discovery. Somehow they were not on my radar growing up and I really fell in love with them during the season. Um, yeah. So I would recommend folks go back and listen to those if you haven't. If you want to revisit them, they're a lot of fun. But Ted uh, called in with some voicemails about a year ago, <laughs> and we were like, we need to get this dude on. We'll get him on when the new record comes out. And at that point, it was like, well, it looks like it's coming out soon. And then, you know, more COVID, and he had a wildfire that affected their house, and there were these delays. But anyway, the record is out now, so we wanted to talk to him, and I'm, I'm so glad we got to. It's a really fun conversation. Yes. Um, we could have talked to him for, for longer, um, yeah. but, you know. Time differences, kids, yep. yep, yep, you know, um, all that. But John, what do you say we just jump right into that conversation? Let's do it, John. Today on Magnified Pod, we welcome Ted Bond. He is the lead singer of Craig's Brother, a band that we went deep into uh, last season. Craig's brother has just released a brand new record, Easily Won, Rarely Deserved. You can get it right now at peopleofpunkrockrecords.com on vinyl, uh, CD, cassettes, what have you. Uh, we're so happy to have him. Ted, welcome to Magnified Pod. Thanks for having me on, guys. It's a pleasure and an honor. 
I feel like our relationship maybe got off to a little bit of a rockier start than uh than maybe I, I would have that then teenage me would have hoped. Um, <laughs> but I, I do feel like uh maybe that, you know, if we're gonna use a uh, a sea metaphor you know maybe the, mm. the the bad feelings have sailed sailed <laughs> onwards or they've become lost at sea of sorts. the bad feelings are somewhere adrift in the pacific <laughs> exactly exactly this is the this is the problem with our show is uh I know. you know we we go in depth on uh, bands that meant a lot to us growing up and then they reach out to us and they're like hey, fuck you guys <laughs> um but no, I, we 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 know you are a uh, a thoughtful dude and a funny dude, and and we knew you were uh, into right. sort of our approach to the whole thing. So we what I mean, truly, one of the thrills of last season was getting those several voicemails in a row from you, <laughs> and we we're like, we we got to talk to this guy. So very happy to have you on. Um, you know, I I think I had you know was a few drinks in when I <laughs> told you what I thought about your guys's review of Lost at Speed. <laughs> Don't take it too seriously. I wasn't. I don't really hate you guys. <laughs> we understand. Yeah, and, we, and in our defense, I mean, I would like to actually talk about this at some point. But like, we said, we enjoyed the songs in Lost at Sea. It was the it was the production approach that we took some issue with. So yeah. I was wondering, like, about your thoughts on the production could, of that record. But it could seriously use a remastering. That's for sure. Like, mm-hmm. The mastering was not good. Um, we kind of went nuts in some ways on the production. Over the course of the podcast, we've talked to a number of bands, you know, Joel from Goaty Hook, one of them, they looking back on certain records that they're just like, they they didn't have the time, they didn't have the money, they didn't have, uh, there's just so many, often so many constraints when it comes to what your, what the production is going to be or the, the mixing or the mastering or whatever it's. You know, you can only work with what you have at the time, I suppose. But well, and, and in those days, the record label was paying for it and right. making decisions as to who was doing it. We didn't really have a choice. It was just right. like, yep. show up here. Here's your producer. Yep. Get it done in two weeks. Yep, that's that's all what we figured. And yeah, I mean, most listeners weighed in and were like, "That's you know, either their number one or number two yeah. album of yours." And we're like, "What's wrong with you guys?" So anyway, it could just be <laughs> our problem. Um, but yeah, for sure, one of the highlights uh, of last season was, was going through the Craig's Brother discography and just there was so much to chew on in terms yeah. of the thoughtfulness that you always have approached your lyrics and your songwriting with um, and just had so much fun going through all the records. Um, so we're, we're particularly pumped uh, to have you on as we're diving into the new record in the coming weeks and uh and just revisiting some of what we talked about um last year with the craig's brother discography but just to kind of um get you know further back uh to sort of your your origins in the scene um and how you know you kind of came into this world of the uh of the christian punk scene that we talk about every week like you always you always brought a level of of complexity and thoughtfulness um to craig's brother that kind of made you you guys stand out within the scene um and the calling out of christian hypocrisy and wrestling with beliefs i mean that stuff that you guys did from the first song on your first album um and those things today are worse (laughs) than ever so i mean what was it that was the questioning of sort of the church or certain kinds of theology just there from the beginning with you or what was it that um allowed you to sort of 
have that be the motivating force for your approach to to some of your songwriting? I definitely went through a phase where I was like, kind of like, wasn't really questioning Christianity or questioning my faith much. I'm trying to remember what exactly like motivated insult to injury in particular. Mm-hmm. Definitely by the time I got into Craig's brother, I was, I was thinking kind of a little bit deeper about it. So I was pretty into the Bible and theology, like starting like in middle school. I think I had read the whole Bible by freshman year of high school. I started meeting with the pastor of my church, like one-on-one, and we started going through Calvin's Institutes. What happened was he, he was discipling me, quote unquote, which meant like I was supposed to tell him about the naughty things I was doing as a teenager. And he was going to help me be a less naughty teenager or something. Yikes. And so I had a girlfriend and we were fooling around, obviously. He, uh, so, okay, it's a complicated story. The church hired this assistant pastor. Um, and after a little while, there was this group in the church that decided that they liked the assistant pastor better. They wanted him to be the head pastor and they wanted the head pastor to go away. And so there's all this backroom kind of negotiating drama going on. And the head pastor, my buddy, um, oh, so the assistant pastor, her do- his daughter had gotten pregnant um, and she was still in high school. And so he was like, well, you know, if you guys are going to try to do this and I have to bring up like first Timothy or something where it says that a, an elder's family should be like, you know, whatever good people or something. He's like, and then if that's the case, so my girlfriend's dad was also one of the elders. And he's like, if that's the case, then I also have to bring it up about your daughter messing around with Ted bond. And of course he didn't know, like, it's not like she was telling her dad. Right. Granted, Granted, as a father of a teenager, he probably should have known. But um, nevertheless, the guy brings us up in a meeting. You know, I, by the time it got back to me, I was felt pretty thrown under the bus and was kind of like pretty disappointed, I guess. And um, we'll say that's what inspired insult to injury. Was that something that you intentionally wanted to bring to the band, or is that just naturally what came out for you guys? Were you like, we want to? keep it authentic, including, you know, wrestling with some of the stuff, or was that just kind of like what naturally came to be? That was just normal for us. Like we were, so when we first got together, we were pretty serious about our faith and we were praying together and like sharing all our struggles with each other. And like, I think it was like the first group of friends that I ever had where we were just like out of the closet. Yeah. Yeah. I jerk off all the time. Like, (laughs) I don't know, just being really honest and open was kind of just part of the relationship. That's mm-hmm. like, so like the song going blind yeah. yes. kind of came out of that. Right. Like, yeah, we kind of just assumed that because we were Christians and we had a band that we were like a Christian band, but really I think more, it was like after writing a few songs, we're like, Oh, well, this isn't really what most Christian musicians are doing. They're not right. like being like, Hey, I jack off. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so much more relatable uh to the kids who are obviously doing the same stuff and rather than feeling right shame listening to christian bands they feel like oh uh these guys are actually uh you know not bullshitting us uh i feel like that's really important uh to kids in the scene there's also a whole lot more nuanced yeah the songs never really felt like they never felt preachy It, it felt more like you were talking about 
your own struggles and yourself rather than saying like, this is what you need to do. And this is what you need to believe. And, and even, even with going blind, like (laughs) even as a kid, you know, as a, as a teenager, as you know, growing up as a Christian also furiously jerking off all the time, you know, I, I still, I still felt bad about it. And that, and that sort of stuff that you're talking about with your, that, that pastor kind of like, it's such a bummer to me giving, giving young kids this sort of complex about the normal stuff that they are doing with exploring their sexuality is just like inherently wrong or inherently sinful. And, right. and then using that as like some sort of, you know, leverage to oust somebody or like make somebody, it just, it's all just gross. It's totally gross. Yeah, it's it's so great. Like looking back, I'm like, what a creepy. And I, I could I I can remember the look on his face, and like an older me would have just been like, ew, get, I'm not talking to you about my relationship. Like no way, you're disgusting. Like he had this like kind of perverted kind of like, give me the juicy details. I'm an old pervert. Ugh. Look on his face, like yeah, I can't imagine like at all at this age wanting to sit down with a teenager and have them like that just that just sounds like confess your sins to me like people need i think it's confessing your sins or having someone that you could talk to about your struggles is a good thing but yeah that's so weird and creepy i think there's a a strong sense of abuse of power that yeah when it comes to age differences and that we have now that wasn't just wasn't a thing back then yeah the nuance like you're saying andrew i think is what it is one of the things that really struck us listening back um you know to the early records in particular is standing out in that time because like you're talking about going blind like we were saying the season that we did on skate punk was so <laughs> driven by so many songs by teenage boys at the time who were like writing about lust maybe or writing about abortion or whatever but like rarely did the women subjects of these songs feel like uh their personhood was being (laughs) grappled with and so in going blind it's like a young man considering like oh there's there's a person behind this image that i'm looking at and like that feels like a pretty nuanced interesting take uh within the scene to be like wrestling with that aspect of lust of like dehumanizing someone Um, totally and that's actually the i think the only thing about it like you know i i still masturbate um, but I don't feel bad about it anymore other than unless there's some sort of kind of dehumanizing of somebody going on. Right. Right. Um, I think, yeah, it just was just from the beginning. Um, it was always very clear that like there was, um, you know, I know it's a much later song, but like when we talked about the problem of evil, uh, with Andrew's dad, Jay, uh, bringing that theology in. Oh yeah. Um, that was cool. <laughs> he, that was super uh, cool. Yeah, yeah. He did a few other, he's done a few other Jay's Theology Corners with us, uh, getting into the theology, some of these punk rock songs. Um, but uh, that, yeah, we were kind of saying, like, if you are a quote unquote Christian band, if you're making music about your relationship to God, to like not wrestle with the idea of the problem of evil is almost like irresponsible. <laughs> I feel like it's such a core part of the sort of like faith experience. And so, so to have, just questions like that always be a part of sort of the Craig's brother identity. I think it's just it meant a lot to us. And I know it's meant a lot yeah. to a lot of people. 
um, just just dealing with the full picture of what it means to to wrestle with faith. So, well, and it, yeah, how can you believe in a good God? I mean, I'm just expressing the problem of evil, but how can you believe in a good God with all this shit going on? Right. Um, and, and that should be, I mean, if you're not, yeah, if you're not wrestling with that, that's a problem. I mean, even Jesus, right? On the cross, he's like, right. my God, my God. Yeah. Why have you forsaken me? Even Jesus is wrestling with the problem of evil. Yep. Yeah. Kind of going back to what John was talking about with these teenage boys uh, writing songs for these punk bands that we've listened to growing up. And, and of course, you know, it's, give them a little grace, you know, they're writing about what they, they knew. And, and in a lot of cases, writing about the stuff that they were taught to believe and they, that they were just sort of saying like, they're going to youth group and like, this is what you believe. And they, they say, you know, okay. And, you know, as many kids did, like I did, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't as questioning as I, as I should have been in my, in my younger days, but so much of the songs were like the, what we colloquially call the, I'm a piece of shit song. And they just, oh, yeah. focus, they just focus so much on like how I, you know, awful I am. I'm a huge sinner. I don't deserve God's love. I'm a piece of shit. Look at all these terrible things I do. I don't deserve. And it's just like, you're, you're doing, you're doing okay. It's okay. And I'm laughing right now because, uh, I don't, I don't know if Adam will appreciate this, but Adam Nye, his, his band in high school, they, their, their first name was Yellow Snow. Yeah. Nice. And they had a song that was like, I don't know why we make yellow snow. <laughs> and it, it was like, it was about sin, obviously. Or maybe that's not obvious, but that's what it was about. And then they, <laughs> then they changed their name to The Defects. And their song, they had a song that went, better take me back, I'm defected. <laughs> but both kind of the same theme but yeah uh-huh. <laughs> that rules release the uh release the defective tapes um yeah, the, de- the defects demo yeah yeah let's hear it punk rock yeah put it out adam um yeah what do yeah, you, what just... you hide what are you hiding adam <laughs> why, why are you keeping this from us um yeah yeah it was just it, you know I've, i'm saying the same thing over and over but it was just really refreshing to um you know, it's not a coincidence that like almost every band from that time in that scene had an abortion song. Like you're saying, Andrew, it was like, that was what was expected of Christian bands. These are the important topics. And so the fact that Craig's brother and you, I think in particular with the songs that you brought to the band, like always was much more expansive than that was just, um, I don't know, something that, that, uh, was more meaningful than, than what a lot of what was out there. Um, so I don't know, to kind of get back to what you were saying from the beginning about like your own faith, like, could you talk a little bit about the, the church or the faith tradition that you grew up in and like why you think you felt the freedom to not exist only within its confines? Cause like, I think a lot of people wouldn't have felt like they were able to have the freedom to express some of the things you did. Like, do you, what do you sort of attribute that to about your own upbringing? Okay. I think the reason I, found or got into this youth group and this church that I was going to in high school was because they were pretty accepting of me for who I was. Um, and I wasn't like 100% youth group kid. Like I had a band in high school, general handiwork. And, and, uh, I was the only Christian in the band and there was nothing Christian about the band. Like we were as offensive as we could be. And, you know, we were a punk band and doing, you know, 
crazy stuff. Our bass player would wear a dress and we're throwing things at the audience and just trying to be as outlandish as we could. Um, and most of the people that I hung out with, in fact, that was when I first came to the youth group, I was like, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I don't have any Christian friends. I'm like, that's my, was like kind of my prayer was that I'd find a group of, of Christian friends. Um, but it never really happened until Craig's brother. And then by the time it happened, I was kind of done with that church and that youth group. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I was kind of like, I had one foot in like two different worlds, I guess. And in, in the world of my secular friends, like lyrics were huge. Like one of, one of our favorite artists was uh, Elvis Costello. Yeah. Hell yeah. I mean, those are, that's some good lyrics. Like you just read his lyrics without the music and, and get a lot out of it. Mm-hmm. So lyrics were super important and, and like stupid cheesy lyrics were like the sort of thing that like, yeah, maybe the Christians would have been stoked, but my non-Christian friends would have made fun of me for, mm-hmm. which they yeah. did anyway, that because I was in a quote unquote Christian band. But <laughs> so that, I think that's part of it, that there was kind of my own understanding of what was expected of me was that like, I couldn't just write Christian propaganda. Mm-hmm. Right. By the time we formed this punk rock scene was really blossoming in, in Santa Cruz, like yeah. good riddance and Fury 66. I was going to wear my Fury 66 shirt. Um, so what brought us together was an interest in this, these bands that we were seeing live, like every weekend. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like we got together at the youth group to form a Christian punk band so we could play when MXPX came to town. We right. were like, you know, maybe we could open for propaganda or something. Right. I mean, I think that's that's a large part of it, right? The kids who are writing those like Christian propaganda songs, I'm pretty sure most of them were, you know, pretty steeped in their youth group, and probably like the youth pastor was saying, like, "Well, you guys should write a song about abortion or something." Like, right. for sure. Um, and they, you know, they weren't really thinking about anybody outside the youth group, right. whereas we definitely were. Um, yeah. And if anything, I feel like Christian music or Christ, the Christian music scene was convenient like it, we came along and we're like oh we're a christian punk band and suddenly like all these youth groups and stuff wanted to book us and it was really easy to get gigs point is we had i guess i had my feet in two different worlds i guess going back to that and that's yeah. kind of how it happened yeah i mean not a lot of uh teenage boys sitting around in the 90s just casually having conversations about abortion and reproductive rights um dude i'm so glad that we didn't because i'm i was pretty pro-life back then oh man i mean that was my the first time i was i i had exposure to it was at cornerstone because they had the rock for life people there and that was the first time i i mean and i bought into that propaganda hook line and sinker they they i was like i was the perfect candidate for that they were appealing to my emotions and they're like this generate they abortion could have killed your best friend you might not know your best friend because they they were a victim of abortion and this was like and like i was emo as hell i'm still emo as hell and you know and it that sort of thing it's like it's fucked up you're like like, no well i'm a middle-class kid in the suburbs and if (laughs) if that kid wasn't aborted they would not be in the suburbs (laughs) But that's a whole nother story. I don't know if you were a middle-class kid in the suburbs. I'm just making an assumption about you. You're you're, you're correct. (laughs) I mean, you know, to be fair, I'm I'm not pro-life anymore, but like that one to me is, is a pretty ethically complex issue. I understand the pro-life arguments. I don't, I don't, I don't agree with them at all, but 
you know, if you if you believe that that baby in the womb is an actual human and has all the rights of a human, I mean, where and then there's a the whole argument of where does when does somebody actually become a human who has rights? Right. Like, um, I think it was it's Pete Peter Singer, the ethicist, who argues that babies don't even have a right to life after they're born, which I don't agree with that either. But it's interesting, right? That somebody's arguing that. Um, and back in those days, the pro-life argument seemed pretty convincing to me. I wasn't even necessarily questioning that. Um, maybe, maybe Lonely Girl was our abortion yeah, we, song. I, that's the closest you got. But even that had a level of sort of respect that <laughs> other, like more explicitly abortion songs didn't have. So the, the story behind that is my mom got pregnant out of wedlock. My dad and her were just fooling around. It wasn't a really very serious relationship. And he wanted her to have an abortion. And she chose not to. And for her, like, that was like her, like, pro-life moment. And she's been pro-life ever since. She still is pro-life. Mm-hmm. But what I want to say to her now that I'm older and have a more nuanced perspective of it is, you know, Mom, I, I want to believe that you chose to have me. Not that you did it because it was the right thing to do, but you mm-hmm. did it because you loved me and wanted me. Mm-hmm. which I think is true. I think she did want me. Like if it was illegal, I would never know that. Like the fact that she had a choice means that I know right. that she. Yeah. Yeah. I think us talking through that song and, and even the nuance within it, you know, we were talking about how different the sort of story that's painted there is from a lot of the songs we'd heard up to that point. Um, and, you know, regardless of where you sort of, fall along anti-choice or, or pro-choice like stance like i feel like the the problematic elements of like the way that these christian bands would talk about it was usually again dehumanizing and making up straw men characters and assuming the worst and it's sort of female protagonists and like right or the, or the girl who got pregnant out of wedlock like her life was just ruined right right like for her like she made a bad decision and now look what happened to her Whereas yeah. in Lonely Girl, it's a wonderful thing that happened to my mom. Right. Um, even though it wasn't necessarily the way she wanted it. Yeah. Yeah. That there's that there was a level of complexity to it. And complexity wasn't encouraged. Like we said, <laughs> Rock for Life was like, abortion is mean. And it's like, okay, again, regardless of where you fall on this, like, that's an incredibly <laughs> narrowing, almost Redu- like reductive. Yeah. Reductive and like patronizing to the complexity of the issue. Like, so yeah, I just, anytime there were sort of attempts to poke at the party line of like, this is black and white by saying that, you know, maybe some things are more gray than you think, I think always stood out. Um, but yeah, I could, I can really relate to being both very into in-depth Bible study and theology and also like deeply into secular <laughs> punk and and music scene just in general. Cause I mean, obviously this is something we've talked a lot about um, on the pod, but I grew up Episcopalian. So like I was sort of on the line of, of that stuff. Um, but the youth group was very evangelical and that's where I found out about MXPX and, and, you know, everything. Um, so I kind of like, I I was already like going to punk shows that were like not a part of the Christian scene before I found out about the Christian world. And I think towing that line of like um, the sort of evangelical Bible study we were doing in youth group, but also like continuing to go to first Ave on weekends and see, you know, bands that were like uh, very open about being anti-religious were like, I don't know. I was holding those things 
intention a lot growing up. And I feel like I heard you talk about that to some extent on our buddy, uh, Brian, Rudy librarians pod of sort of like existing in both those worlds. And I, yeah, I just wondered if you could speak a little bit to sort of that, that idea of having a foot in each of those scenes and sort of like how that, I don't know, motivated your approach to like engaging in church or engaging in the punk scene or whatever. <laughs> I just remembered I was like taking acid Sunday night and then going to church. Or I mean, Saturday night and then going to church Sunday morning. Like uh-huh. maybe that was, maybe that's where the like, like more nuanced, <laughs> introspective uh-huh. lyrics come from. Sounds like, right. Yeah, no, I, it's weird. Like the thing is teenagers can totally like be completely different people in different scenes. Like, I think it has something to do with like the development of the brain, like, mm-hmm. uh, and not, and not even really questioned. Like I actually, I did question it. I did kind of sometimes be like, Oh, the people at church knew what I was doing last night. You're trying to figure out who you are. You're trying to um, figure out your identity. That's kind of the main goal in life at that age. Right. What happened is instead of like being a hypocrite or a liar, my, my developing brain was like, well, there's gotta be some sort of resolution to this. Um, I don't believe that like, my secular friends are like just evil and that's all there is to say about it. Um, and I don't believe that, you know, whatever, whatever they're saying at church is just right. And that's all there is to say about it. You know what else? I, maybe this is part of it too. Like the, the church I was going to is very reformed. We were critical of other Christians like that weren't reformed mm. enough. they had bad theology or whatever. Sure. The bad theology, like, I guess that got me thinking about criticizing it. I remember I read this book. I think this was before I was even in Craig's Brother. It was like Fit Body, Fat Minds or something like that. But this art, this writer, I can't even remember who it was, was arguing that uh, Christians are called to be in the world, but not of the world. Mm-hmm. And what we had become was of the world, but not in the world. And that kind of like, that was the beginning of my questioning of Christian music. Mm-hmm. And definitely... Oh, you know what? Going back even further, right? Freshman year, I get involved in this youth group and the youth leader starts pressuring me to not to only listen to Christian music. And I started having this argument with him. I'm like, yeah, but it's not as good. He's like, no, it's totally <laughs> good. Like, check out this band. And I'd be like, nope, not as good. <laughs> and like, and his, his, uh, his attempts to argue were so lame. Like he, he wasn't making any headway with me. Like, like no way. And I'm definitely not giving up the Beatles. Like I, I did, I was willing to listen to some Christian groups. Uh, I kind of, I kind of like some Michael W. Smith stuff. I still kind of do, honestly. I, I have oh, to yeah. admit. Um, Pete Friend Pray for Rain, I thought was pretty great. Oh man, we're doing a pod for Rain coming up. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I, I just, just saw them a few weeks ago. No way. Were oh, they good? Man. Oh, dude. Oh yeah. Well, I'll, sh- I'll, we'll, I'll share some, uh, some video with you. Unbelievable. And then when I discovered the crucified, yeah, that was like the first quote unquote Christian, like hardcore band that I was like, this is cool. This oh, is yeah. actually good. So that kind of, but in general, yeah, I was questioning the whole thing. My youth group pastor was trying to convince me that it was all about Christian music. I didn't believe it. Then I finally found this book, Fit Bodies, Fat Minds. I think that's what it was called. My, that yeah. might be a different book. It is. I Googled but, it. It's a different book. No, that's what it's called. Yeah. Oh, that's the same book. Okay. Um, and that was like, see, you're wrong. <laughs> um, and then I don't know. So I kind of, yeah, I guess my whole high school experience was like training me to be critical hmm. of what I was hearing at church. You know, we, we've 
talked about this a lot too, but I think what um what what stood out for me and Andrew growing up was those bands that were like that were in the solidly in the Christian scene, but questioning both both of those worlds that they had, you know, a foot in of like um having the sort of punk rock ethos of that scene um but questioning aspects of that and then having that ethos inform your role in the church of questioning um yeah. you know the church they're part of in that scene that that sort of questioning always seemed like very christian to me yeah um and so i always appreciated that but you know like we're saying that was towing the party line seemed to be much more uh the norm for christian bands so i think right. sadly yeah. yeah that sort of um questioning just didn't didn't happen a lot at least within the confines of like you're saying like quote-unquote christian music what gets me is there was this like kind of story that was told that like what goes on in the secular world is like really unsafe and like mm -hmm. you might get exposed to drugs and sex and you know people who aren't straight sign me up um, <laughs> but actually the punk music scene is so much safer yeah so mm -hmm. much less likely to get thrown under the bus you don't have this sort of like you know, in the youth group where the person's like, well, I just want to pray for my friend, Sarah, because she's struggling sexually. Like what? Like yeah. you like what? Where, how is that right at all? In punk and punk rock, it's like you're pretty much accepted for whoever you are. You can be as weird and as lame as you want. Um, and you're, you're you know, you're not going to get thrown under the bus or something stupid. I, I mean, I can't imagine anybody getting thrown under the bus anyway. I feel like it was. I don't know. I don't know what was unsafe about it, honestly. Like it the punk rock feels so much safer to me than what I was experiencing at church. Well, yeah, once if if kids started going out to punk uh the non-Christian secular punk shows and realized, oh, this is actually uh fine and it's not terrible and I'm not going to, you know, die, then they and realize that like, oh, these people are accepting of me and they're not like this uh group of like evil people trying to like do uh satanic things to me and it's like oh well then they realize that their youth pastor has been lying to them the whole time and you know the whole the whole facade just kind of falls apart yeah that thing about like seeing uh jesus-like behavior more on display in the punk scene in the DIY scene and how they treated each other than what I was seeing at church, uh, you know, that, that will strike you. Um, yep. yeah, I was thinking about that. There was like that viral video of that, uh, woman who was talking about like a community that was protesting, like a, what was it like a drag brunch or a drag event or something like that and how they didn't want it to happen because it was like going to encourage abusive kids or whatever. And she was like, I've never been abused at a, a drag brunch, but I've been abused in church. Um, and so just like, yeah pointing out um the supposed uh terrible behavior that you're shielding people from in the secular world is usually going on in the church more than it is um in the other scene so um yeah. anyway yeah. just uh just yeah lots of projection yes um and again i feel like uh that was like such a the fact that you guys were like this blistering <laughs> fast punk as hell band that was 
sticking true to what you found to be like a holistic and like, you know, vibrant faith that like those two things together that that always like stands out where you feel like, uh, oh, these these two things do exist together and they make me feel uh, less alone because I'm finding, Mm -hmm. you know, myself in in people who can see um, sort of both of those worlds. Um, But, you know, to get to like fast forward a bit to sort of your own faith and and how that informs you. Like, I know you've made reference to going to seminary and uh, preaching regularly now. So like, can you tell us a little bit about that? What is your sort of role uh, in the church these days or, or your theology, your approach to, to living that out? I have a master's in theology from Fuller Seminary and I'm the primary preacher at my church. I didn't ever, I didn't intend on becoming a preacher. Like actually that was my intention in high school, but after that fallout with that pastor that I told you about, I was like, screw this. I'm just going to play music. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of thought at that point that I might actually have a career playing music, um, but that didn't work out. And then later in life, I found myself looking for a job and there was a job as a director of education slash like youth pastor guy at the Methodist church here in, in Boulder Creek and the Methodist church, at least in California is pretty open-minded and there wasn't really anything in their belief system that was egregious to me. So I was like, okay, I could, I could do this. I could teach the Bible here at this church. And then one thing led to another, the guy, the primary preacher ended up being moved somewhere else and they needed a preacher. And I ended up being the most qualified person to do it. And now here I am doing it. And actually I think that's probably going to be like my career for the rest of my life, which is, I don't know. It's not, it's not because I'm like a great Christian or anything. It just is, I get more because I'm like equipped. I know the Bible, I can teach it and explain it. So that's how I wound up there. Is that answering the question? Yeah. Um, Are your sermons made available? (laughs) Is that something that people can listen to? Yeah. Yeah. If you go on our, on our church Facebook page, what I, what we need to do is edit just the sermon because what we have are videos of the whole service. Sure. What you see when I'm not preaching, I, I make no promises about, but sure. Well, I'd be Maybe very... we've had some incredible musicians, though, actually. We got yeah. this guy. He needed a place to store his harpsichord. Okay. We're like, okay, well, we got a place for you. So we have a harpsichord, which means we're playing a lot of Bach and classical music. But I like that. I don't know. I prefer that to, like, Christian contemporary. Right. Um, I would love to hear <laughs> some of Ted Bond preaching, because I imagine the approach that you take to lyrics and the thoughtfulness that we're talking about and the wrestling with faith and the nuance of it. Like, I imagine that that's how you approach preaching as well. My preaching is definitely very honest. Um, I definitely am open about whatever questions I have. I'm not towing any sort of theological line. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, it seems to work. People are relating to it. I can't say I work as hard on my sermons as I do on Craig's brother lyrics. Sure. At least not yet. Um, so I don't know. Maybe I should find some good examples. I feel like you, if you just pick a random Sunday, it might not be that good. Sure, sure. Well, yeah. Maybe you can like send us something you're proud of or something because I would love to. I would love to hear it. I don't know if you saw my interview with Billy Power or heard my interview with Billy Power. Yeah, what that was like a while ago, right? When was this? Yeah, that was like okay. I don't know. I sent him my the sermon that I preached right after the January 6th insurrection. Mm, Okay. And like, basically I started off by saying like, I felt like I wanted to punch someone in the face. Mm. Um, That was a pretty good one. Cool. 
That sounds yeah. good. <laughs> After this record, I knew Devils in the Details, by the way. Devils in the Details. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. Uh yeah, for it's an audio medium. Audio medium. Right, you know, right. I've been doing this for over four years and I forget <laughs> sometimes. Uh yeah, after Devils in the Details came out. And then I when we heard that there's new Craig's brother record in the works, I'm like, oh man, we know our boy Ted is gonna go off on the church and more politics and stuff and on this new record. And I do kind of want to get into a little bit of of the new record if you if you're open to that totally totally there had been some time between your the last full length and then devils in the details what prompted the the writing of new craig's brother material and then um when did you decide that it was time for another full length you know devils in the details i think that was just kind of a random idea we're like what if we crowdfunded a little ep and then it worked which made us like think, well, okay, then we could probably do more than that. Um, but then the other thing is I had been saying, I, I don't know if you're aware of Paul Stevenson and um, the band double negative. Mm-hmm. It, it's a uh, English band. Paul's from Manchester. Um, and Paul, he's just brilliant songwriter, brilliant musician, uh, never really leaves his room slash recording studio. And he just records like incredible songs, like over and over and over again, every part. And I've known him for a while. I've collaborated with him a number of times. And I was, I kept saying like, just randomly, like, you know what, like next record, I'm just going to have Paul record everything. And I'm just going to do the vocals. And then at one point, Steven was like, you know, I could do that too. (laughs) And then like, I was like, oh yeah, yeah, you totally could. And then we were like, okay, well, let's just do it. Basically, he and I just decided we were going to, and our goal was to do, get 20 songs done. Um, and we just met, we met up at the church that I work at and we pre-produced the record like in a couple hours and just went from there. But I don't know. It's hard. Why? Like, it wasn't like, like, why did we wait so long? I don't know. There was a little bit of a lineup change on this. You know, there's no juice, no, you know, no Scott. What? And you just decided like in terms of availability that you guys just wanted to, hammer it out or yeah yeah so juice had had a series of really heavy things going on in his life his, his wife di- died and he just wasn't really available sure and scott had just kind of moved on like you know how he's not in the video for follow your heart mm-hmm. um i don't know if he would necessarily agree but the way i see it is he moved on it was hard to get him to you know want to, co- to commit to anything really like even getting him to finish the base on on that on devils in the details was hard um and so part of the i guess motivation for this record was steven and i were like we don't have to deal with three other guys we don't have to teach them all the parts i guess in the past i'd let that stop me. Hmm. i was like oh well i don't have a band so how can i make a record but then we kind of realized that we could and now that the technology is cheaper and i could set up a home studio and stuff there really wasn't any reason not to Congrats on doing that because it sounds great. Um, it does, really does. Yeah, you Thank guys you. did a great job. What was your approach to the production and the songwriting this time around? Like how how different was that um, just doing it, you and Steven? How did you decide you wanted to make this record? Like was there, was there a particular approach that you guys wanted to take here or was it just kind of what came out? We each had songs that we brought to the table. A lot of these songs, a lot of my songs are songs that are really old. Like I started writing some of them like 
you know, back in the homecoming days. Even. Oh, wow. Like the song uh, Judgment Day. Hmm. Actually, I wrote that right after Andy and Adam quit. Interesting. But I never finished it until like last year. So that we had like a bunch of material that we already kind of had. We got together and we're just like, you know, kind of sorted through the one, the material and found the ones that we wanted. We made up our minds to not take it too seriously. I think in the past, Craig's brother took everything too seriously, which maybe kind of shows in our music, like in a good way. Mm -hmm. But also, I feel like it was a good decision to not take things too seriously this time. Like at this point, you know, it's our fourth record, fourth full length. We're not cutting our teeth anymore. We've been around the block. We know how to do it. Mm -hmm. So we kind of took this approach of like, let's just do it, get it done. Don't overthink it and just make it happen and decide whether it's good after it's done, <laughs> which seemed to work out pretty well. It's good. So, yeah. <laughs> yes. And um, that's interesting that you have some songs that, uh, that you're pulling from, from the past. Uh, some clearly to me uh, strike me as very much in the present, um, like out of your hole and, violent faith totally um, just uh, talking about um what from what i can tell uh evangelicalism and the church and and what has the the festering uh sin of racism just showing its ugly ugly face to the world um totally because there's a there's a lyric uh, on on violent faith that I was, I was curious about that said, now that the door is open, I'll never place my hope in you. I'm leaving you forever and ever. And I was, I'm wondering what the you is in that. This lyric is probably going to haunt me. Um, so I'm really kind of thinking about the, the people that I grew up with who were really convinced that they were totally right. And they were out to like save everybody. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm doing finger quotes for you people in podcast land. They were, and the reality is they were terrified of everybody who was different than them, which is basically the, the basis of racism. Right. Um, they weren't these righteous saviors. They were actually you know, people in need of salvation more than the people that they were trying to save. The whole leaving you forever, like that kind of just worked <laughs> as a line there um like it's not like i'm i'm not really leaving anybody forever but i'm leaving that way of thinking forever sure yeah um since i grew up in that you know and i remember you know thinking that too like oh we got to save all these people at some point realizing like uh, maybe first i should worry about whether or not i'm saved and i don't mean saved in like a there came a point in my first marriage things were going so wrong in my life mostly because of my own like bad decisions and personality, you know, fighting with my wife, drinking too much, all of that sort of stuff that I realized like, okay, I'm quote unquote saved, but what does that mean? Like yeah. whatever. And what good is it if I'm like in hell right now, right? I need salvation that saves me from the hell I'm in now, not that salvation that saves me from the hell I'm in in the afterlife. Yeah. Um, and once I, that kind of changed my whole understanding of what salvation is, and now I look back on that church I grew up with and I'm like, you guys aren't saved. <laughs> like you guys are, are as lost as anybody. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's not, I don't, you know, I also don't really 
take the idea of hell that seriously, at least not the way I did. You know, the whole point of the church that I was going to was to not was what happens after you die. Right. You, you don't want to go to hell. You want to go to heaven. But it's like, no, you're already in hell. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people that are already in hell. Let's figure out how to get out of hell now. Yep. I think that's something we've come back to over and over throughout the years of the podcast is like, uh, what about what we're all uh, on right now in this life? Like, yeah. can we talk about that a little bit, regardless of what you believe? We're all sharing this earth, and can we try to make some heaven on this earth? And if you're, you know, struggling with being a jerk, or you have these personality issues that make you miserable, and you can't get along with the people around you, and like, you know, the church is divided, and even among Christians, everybody's arguing and not getting along. Why would it be any better in heaven? <laughs> right <laughs> like you're still the same person yeah. right right you're an asshole down here you're probably going to be an asshole <laughs> yeah <laughs> well yeah and that speaks there's so many christians i've met that i would not want to spend eternity with yeah man like <laughs> seriously that speaks to that to a theme of <clears throat> of craig's brother's work that that's come up again and again which is the sort of like you think you're you're building a wall to keep people out but you're you're cornering yourself off into this little walled off world um, where all you have is other assholes <laughs> and like um, this idea of trying to keep people out because you're holier than them or, you know, best is always a way to only box yourself in further and further and how anti gospel that is. Um, but that's, I feel like that's something that's basically on every Craig's brother record, some version of that idea. Well, and there's a fear of change, right? It's like, mm. I guess it's what dogma is. Right. It's like, I'm afraid right. to let anything influence me that might change my thinking, mm-hmm. um, which is a, a exact, the exact opposite of repentance, mm-hmm. which literally means to change your direction, mm-hmm. to stop going in the direction you're going and going another direction. So, you know, the central theme of Jesus's teaching and most Christians are like, no, no. Right. I'm going to go grab another beer. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> looks what like you got a, there? Looks like yeah. a Lagunitas. I'm drinking Lagunitas. Hell yeah. Not as a, nothing really too adventurous. Sure. Hey man, you, you guys, need, an old, need an old standby. Are you guys drinking beer tonight? Not I had, tonight. I had some, I had some earlier, uh, post work when I was a coworker had a nice, had myself hams and a Coors banquet. That's, your, that's the new drink. <laughs> You should tell him about the shitty beer bracket quick. I, me and my girlfriend and some, uh, some of our friends, we decided that we wanted to have a blind shitty beer taste test. And so we did like a tournament style bracket where we did a blind taste test and paired shitty beers against each other. That's amazing. And we, and then, so we all had our own individual brackets to find out of the the shitty 16 which uh which beers would which one would be our top our top beer but we what we all you the one beer that we unanimously all agreed on that lost in the first round that everybody was like this sucks was heineken oh yeah i hate heineken heineken is trash and i can't believe people like i'm like i we, we were all like this is objectively not good and we were i mean there are other people that are like 
well, I like Bud Light. No, the High Life is the best or whatever is the, but everybody's like, no, Heineken is garbage. So there wasn't any like unanimous agreement on what was better though? Coors Banquet really cleaned up, right? Coors Banquet did pretty well. Um, You know, I, I discovered that I like Coors products more than I like Budweiser and Miller. I did. I was so surprised. I learned a lot about myself that night. Well, you got to do it again with malt liquor. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> some Mickey's. Get some Who's Mickey's. Win? Nat- Natty Ice or oh my. King Cobra. Uh, it's been too long. Um, oh my gosh! I don't know if I. I don't know if I hate myself that much. <laughs> we 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 did decide that like sixteen was was too many. The limit. Yeah, it was too many. So we're like. Next time we do this, we're we're gonna like maybe go start with eight. Elite eight, yeah. Yeah, there you yeah. Go. <laughs> um, we're not going shitty again. We're going Minneapolis versus St. Paul breweries. Uh, that could be so, good. Have you ever have you ever talked to a can talk beer with a Canadian? No, we have some Canadian listeners, but I don't I don't know if we've ever all right, all right Canadian listeners, you're not gonna like this. <laughs> They're always like, Oh, our beer is so much better, eh? <laughs> Sorry. Nailed it, uh, and it's totally not like Molson and what and what other kinds they have. It's just all like it's not. Blue. Yeah, it's not yeah. good. It's not good. Like maybe it's better than Coors or Bud Light, but not. No, it's not. It's not better. So that's all I have to say, Canadians. <laughs> take that called out. But, but keep liking Craig's brother. Yeah, <laughs> I still love you guys. I just don't like your beer. Montreal, apparently the new capital for punk rock. Right, that's where everybody's going for festivals and shows all the time you know our, our <laughs> whole career quebec has been the best place we've ever yeah. been 1999 first time we went there and it was like the first time it, we had real shows it felt like we got to get up there we got to do a yeah, montreal trip at some point isn't people of punk rock based in quebec totally yeah so yeah, yeah that's uh, we had more fans there than anywhere we went we were touring with uh no fun at all mm-hmm. that year and we showed up, you know, we were like just arguing to get paid most of our gigs. And they had a, a road manager who was just kind of insane. And he kind of just started take, he just took over for us. We'd show up at a beat at a show and, and, you know, he'd be like, he was Australian. He'd be like, where's the fucking beer? <laughs> Greg's brother needs beer. <laughs> <laughs> He's like screaming. I'm, uh, poor Yannick, the guy who, who booked the whole tour he was he's a great guy but he he was like his first tour he had ever booked and he was like maybe 19 years old and like zock was the guy's name the australian road manager he's like i'm gonna kick that little fucker's ass <laughs> amazing but it was so great to have somebody like actually standing up for us like sure. up until then like we'd just been treated like garbage everywhere hmm. speaking of playing out and playing live uh we'd be remiss if we didn't ask are there Craig's Bro shows on the horizon here? Or is this uh, what are you guys thinking? Well, we're playing Redbridge Fest 2023. Yep, that's the only thing we've committed to. Okay, um, it's tough because Stevens in Germany. Yeah, and he's you know has a family that he's trying to provide for. Ooh, punk rock, <laughs> punk rock shows. <laughs> so flying out to you know the United States isn't necessarily the greatest thing for him. Sure. I'm trying to figure out a local drummer. I've been talking a lot with Adam and the guys from Too Bad Eugene. Mm-hmm. 
about basically just borrowing everyone but the drummer. Yes. Which would be sick. Yes. Uh, we uh we had Jason Reagan on, our dude. Uh yeah, yeah. And we talked about let's just do a couple shows. He plays in both bands the whole time. Maybe you guys all play in both bands. And uh, you know, yeah. you got it we got a, a Chicago show ready to go for you guys that we can help uh promote or whatever. So we would love to see something happen. We really want to see dude get you guys a, live again. Get a Craig's brother and a much the same uh oh, show shit. yeah together. Dude, we were supposed to play with much the same in 2022. I'm wearing my much the same shirt right now. Nice. Uh, yeah, that'd be sick. Craig's brother and much the same. Wait, much the same's from Chicago, huh? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I heard you. Uh, I heard you mention Winning Streak, which is our dude Chris McGrath's other band. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, he, he's he's in Chicago. He's been on the pod a couple times. Um, I, love, I love Winning Streak. Um. Yes, some version of Too Bad Eugene, Craig's brother, much the same, winning streak, live. I mean, yeah, we would just, we we would really, really love to see that happen. So anyway, well. That we'll would be... just be just two hours, the pit wouldn't stop. <clears throat> just, Hell yeah. Just keep going, just one giant circle pit. <laughs> one question I kind of had with like, for playing the songs off of this record, there are things about the sound here that you haven't had before such as uh throat singing uh, <laughs> elements that we've like i'm glad you picked up on that yeah there are rules uh love a craig's brother album culminating in throat singing not what i expected <laughs> um but yeah i feel like there's like some lush and sort of elaborate production that hasn't always uh been on display for you guys and like is that again sort of like how did that come about was that something that you intentionally wanted to do um is it something you're aware of like playing some of these songs live that would have to be like a little different or yeah, we just, what were you sort of thinking with uh, some of the new musical approaches here? I mean, in terms of playing it live, I wasn't even thinking about it. Sure. Um, I mean, honestly, if we were to play live, like we'd probably play like maybe four songs off the new record. Sure. Mostly we'd play homecoming and lost at sea. Uh, sure. Cause that's what everybody wants to hear. That's a nice yeah. thing. Once you have a few records under your belt, like, you're only adding a couple more songs off the new material into your set. You're not sure. just playing. I mean, maybe you would if you were, or maybe we would if we were like, you know, full on touring band and like we were promoting our new record. Right, right. But at this point, the people who want to hear us want to hear Homecoming mostly. Sure. Um, Andrew and I can send you the set lists we created for our deal. Craig's Rather Show if you want to see yeah, that. Yeah, we, let's see. <laughs> I can, let's see what I have. I had, uh, yeah, the ten I have. This was this was done last year, so this is before any of the other uh, insult, injury, freedom, follow your heart, Prince of America, who am I? Homecoming, thousand yard stare, maintain destiny, fallen, and dear Charlotte. Pretty good. That's pretty. Yeah, that's those are all doable. I feel like most of those are in our set anyway. I had uh, I had follow your heart as the closer because I feel like that's the big emotional climax. You send people out. I don't know. I could see it either way, but um Oh, your heart's easy. That one's easy to pull live. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Like the end part of of uh what did we call that song? Ghost. Ghost. Yeah. We were calling it with like names, titles are like the last thing we come up with. Sure. Usually we call it something like like we were just calling it my imagination for a long time. That's still sure. what I think of it as. But yeah, ghost. Um I wasn't really thinking about how we we're gonna pull that live. We'd have to have triggers to really pull it all. Or you just, it's not going to be as big as it is on the record, but. Right. 
I'm trying to think what else. There's a lot of keyboard stuff. Yeah, yeah, there is. Um, so like, love that if synthy. We, if we play in Europe, um, Tim will definitely play with us, or he's agreed to play with us. Tim Van Duren. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how did you uh, get hooked up with him? Steven hooked it up somehow. Steven's got this like amazing talent for just being able to like just walk up to anyone and talk to them. He doesn't always know what to say, but he has no fear. Uh-huh. But I think originally we heard him from this record, St. Plaster. If you haven't heard that one, check it mm-hmm. out. It's like, it's so great. Like every song is so good. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of a similar deal. Like I think it was two guys that just sat down, Tim and another guy sat down and did that. Um, but anything, everything I've heard from Tim Van Duren is amazing. I'm so glad we found him. He's like the perfect third member. Yeah. Seems like he was very heavily involved on instruments and stuff too. Yeah, he did. He did a, he did some guitar. He redid a lot of the bass, which is good. I mean, Steven's good, but he's, you know, he's not really thinking like a bass player. Hmm. He's thinking like a a guitar player. Uh, Most of the, you know, bass lines that he put down are just root notes. Sure. Um, So Tim kind of did a lot of rethinking of the bass and there were a few guitar parts that he put down and all that keyboard stuff. And actually, a few guitar parts. There, the song, the intro track, the Petrifaction of Trust. There's a super shredding solo at the end. Yeah, there is. That's Tim. Okay. Yeah, like how are we going to pull that live? I don't know, but I think if anybody could do it, it's <laughs> Sam from Too Bad Eugene. Yeah. Was there ever lyrics for that song, or did you always plan it as an instrumental? We planned it as an instrumental, or okay. Steven planned it as an instrumental, is what I should okay. say. I didn't. Cool. I didn't actually do anything on that song. Sure. Yeah, it seems like musically, it's pretty split for you guys here. I know you wrote almost all the lyrics, but yeah. how did you uh, how did you approach that? Were you were you just coming in with songs and deciding together which ones would go, or how did that work? Pretty much, yeah. I don't know if we were like trying to be kind of fairly even about it. I mean, we, yeah, I, I guess we sat down with the goal of having twenty songs, and it was just kind of like, well, here's what I got, here's what I got. We just picked them and went with it. So, how did the uh, the throat singers? happened what was that like who's doing that um is that you (laughs) (laughs) awesome well you answered that so here's the story behind that it's actually an interesting story my uncle i'm gonna have to have him listen to this podcast now my uncle he's a singer um he likes to sing in choirs and stuff um but he and some friends started studying and reproducing sardinian throat singing mm-hmm. so sardinia you know an island in the mediterranean kind of off of italy but not really italy and they made there are a few videos that were made and were posted online of them singing and these people in sardinia saw it and they're like that's great come to sardinia so then they ended up making he ended up making a documentary where they go to sardinia and sing with all these throat singers but cool that's so i learned i first heard it from him probably 12 years ago. And then I kind of just learned it after I was so impressed. I sat down and figured it out and I've been intending on using it in a song for a while, just cause it's kind of like a cool new sound that I'm not aware of anybody else doing. I'm sure there's somebody else doing it, but no, it I, rules. I was so pumped when, it, when that came in the first, it's such a good culminating end point for the song and for the record. There's been so many times where I had an idea and then like somebody else, had the idea first like i wanted to do french horn Ooh. and then no effects did it what's the song 
think it's it's on wolves and wolves clothing or is it on a yeah heavy petting zoo sounds familiar like stole the world or stop the world or right something. yeah yeah yeah. i can hear it. i anyway the the french horn is awesome and i was like i wanted to do that so <laughs> the throat singing i'm like well I, I i can't think of anybody who's done it so i'm going to do it before somebody else does and then that asshole weird owl went <laughs> and like made a movie fake biopic who's he you know what he though is? You know what, though? After watching his movie, I'm like, <laughs> that's cool, but I'm still pretty stoked on the true story of Craig's brother. Yeah, like, it's cool. got a whole nother thing that that movie doesn't have. <laughs> I mean, maybe it's just a bunch of inside jokes that only I get, but... Yes. Uh, for those who don't know, uh, there is a, a screenplay draft out there uh, of the Craig's brother biopic. Um, and, uh, Ted, you were saying when you saw the Weird Al trailer, you were like, this guy's this guy stole my idea. <laughs> yeah. So just so you listeners know, I wrote a, a screenplay, the true story of Craig's brother. There's nothing. Well, there's very little that's true about it. Um, basically, it was after I saw the movie Bohemian Rhapsody, the Queen movie. I was like, this movie is just every other band movie. Like they really did yeah. not do any research on Queen. I haven't learned anything about Queen. I still liked it because Queen is Queen, but like in terms of the actual writing, I'm like, this is just every other band movie. Yeah. I was like, what if somebody made a movie like that about Craig's brother? And then I, that just inspired, it just rolled from there and I had to write it out. So the true story of Craig's brother, my friends, my listening friends, <laughs> you don't get to read it. And maybe one day you'll get to see it. Yes. Uh, yeah, I, we, we, yeah. This has it, to happen. This needs to happen. It There, there are parts of it that i was telling john before before you joined that i'm like this like has so many sight gags it's like it feels like a leslie nielsen script yeah yeah you know because it's just like because like i can i can envision like sort of like some of the smash cuts that that you're talking about and like uh or at least that's it's just sort of how i'm envisioning it and i'm like that yeah, I, I I really want to see this see this thing happen. There's definitely yeah, like a naked gun or like yeah. airplane level of humor. Yeah, on it or like or uh, Mel Brooks or something. Sure. Uh, yeah. Yeah. We were saying before we uh before we started the pod that we need to uh we need to make this thing happen. Is this the next uh, Kickstarter Kings Brother Craig's Brother project? But uh, we got to see this thing crowdfunded and made into reality because it's so good. Um. All right. Well, we're we're, we're we have our precious few minutes with you remaining oh yeah wanted, okay, 10 o'clock yeah wanted to do a maybe just quick lightning round style of a few questions to get in here before you go um oh actually before you before we even get to that when you're talking about like by the number biopics of, of bands have you seen walk hard the movie Wait. it's like john c Riley sort of making fun of the, like johnny cash and ray charles biopics um I, you know i don't think i saw it but i remember it yeah okay. I highly recommend you watching it. I think you would really enjoy it. Uh, it includes this one detail that I bring up on the podcast all the time is just like the height of like production, uh, you know, wildness where he's sort of doing his Brian Wilson phase and he's like, it's not done yet. I need an army of didgeridoos, 10,000 didgeridoos. Um, so anyway, I think you'd appreciate that movie. Um, but uh, yeah, just a few quick questions. So we were talking, Andrew and I were talking about this off pod of like, some of the lyrics we were pouring over on the new record 
one in particular I wondered about mm. your insight on, which is superhero. Um, so listening to like the first verse, we're like, okay, maybe this is about Jesus. And then you get to like cuter than shit and like talking about finding your keys. And I'm just like, so who who exactly is the superhero? Like, are you willing to uh, <laughs> reveal that? Yeah, yeah, that's a Laura. That's my wife. Okay, okay. okay. I wondered, I wondered. And uh, that's, yeah. that's awesome. You want to, so it's like a love song. Yeah, it's a love song. Yeah, totally. Okay. <laughs> that rules. I mean, we hear her taking care of your kids in the background right now. So she sounds like a superhero. She is a superhero. Um, and she managed to uh, root Goldberg the the microphone. Well done. That song rules. And uh, we yeah. were like, the, the, it's clearly just like, okay, so there's things about her that are Jesus-like, which is great. But we were like, this is maybe a song about Jesus, but then <laughs> not quite. <laughs> What's the line like healing the sick, saving the poor, finding <laughs> finding my keys? Yeah, yeah. That, that rules. That's that, <laughs> that was my first insight into like, oh, there's uh, this isn't quite Jesus. We're having some fun here. Um, <laughs> a great couplet. Yeah. Um, all right, Andrew, do you have do you have questions about this this record that you want to get to quick? What have you been listening to yep, lately? It's on my list too. Yeah. Most recently, I've been listening to everything that people are comparing the new record to. Mm, interesting. So today like I listened to. Uh, Sick waiting. I don't know that. Uh, they're really good. I think that's what they're called. And then I listened to this band, uh, Charlie Bit My Finger. <laughs> okay. We're also pretty good. The lyrics were a little bit silly, in my opinion, but I don't know. I was listening to the Cigar. I'm trying to think. Mostly just stuff that people are comparing us to right now. Mm. Sure. At least in terms of new things. What's some of your favorite stuff that you've done? Do you have like an album or a song or like a time period of the band that you're particularly proud of? Like, honestly, I. I'm so close to the new material that it's hard for me to like yep. be 100% sure that it's good. It'll probably take <laughs> me a couple of years, but like insidious lie is so, so underrated and yes. so many people just haven't even heard it. Yeah. Yep. True. Um, and I think, I mean, I love that record and I'm so proud of it. Like every single song. So that's the one I guess lately, mostly just because I feel like it never got the attention it deserved. Feels like a lost Craig's brother record. Yeah. Yeah, and it'd be one thing like I don't know if it was wasn't if it was mediocre or something, but it absolutely rules. Plus, it has Klamath Falls on it, which I love <laughs> that song a lot. That record rules. I think it yes took us by surprise a little bit when we got yeah. there because we hadn't really heard like you're saying that much talk about it, and I, I, I was really blown away by it. Like I really yeah really uh, resonate with that record a lot. I've been thinking about. And I need to get the rest of the guys who made that record to agree. But I've been thinking about seeing if people of punk rock wants to re-release yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. Ooh, dude. Yeah. You know, and I and I think one of the the reasons it, you know, it caught us both off guard is, you know, coming from, you know, uh listening to Lost at Sea and how the opening track, you know, to Lost at Sea is just like this slow burn and then like freedom opens and just like explodes and you're yeah. just like okay we're we're back on this like yeah fast intensive fast skate punk yeah yeah i was just like oh my god yeah the riffage on that song too man kyle black is a really good producer i don't know if you heard the new um the wilhelm scream mm -mm. oh check it's it a little out. bit yeah i gotta check a it new, out more a new the it's a new will a new album yeah kyle black did their their newest album okay crazy crazy good so, so that was huge we were also working with andy again on that record which mm -hmm. was rad pretty so shreddy 
brought back so yeah some of the shred and some of the yeah. kind of feel again very like complex themes a lot of what you're dealing with on that album you know we that was one of the things that you uh when you called in you were sort of affirming us saying like death hangs heavy over this record um yeah some like heavy stuff but it's totally. yeah like we said not presented in this way that makes it super heavy and super obvious but I think yeah, totally. of- my, my grandmother had just died andy had just got divorced or was in the process of getting divorced which was it was a weird window in time like andy's not an easy guy to find time to do stuff unless you're paying him to to do like engineering or producing um but he had this time suddenly and he actually i think really made that record happen he kind of came to us and was like let's make a record i agree that record rules everybody should check it out if they don't know it um, and it should absolutely get a pressing yes please um more craig's brother pressings in general is what yes. i'm saying yeah um but yeah i i, I especially am very much looking forward to getting my my record from people of punk rock you know i i the artwork direction for this new record is so interesting and i guess that that'd be another one of my you know vinyl questions too is like the art direction the sort of there's things are like very foggy very hazy um kind of uh dark and mysterious uh what how did that what kind of conversations were there around the art direction for the singles and the and the record or did you just kind of find someone and cut them loose it's pretty much all Juan launch the main art guy for people with punk rock at one point we were talking to I want to say Mark Laberton, but that's not it. That was the president of Fuller or former president of Fuller. It was Mark. At any rate, we were talking to one of these guys who's, who did a bunch of the Fat Records covers back in the day. And he had this idea that actually I thought was kind of great where it was like it was like a golf tournament or something. And it was like like a couple ladies in a golf tournament, each wearing a medal that said participant, uh-huh. which would have been like a kind of a cartoon, like that old Fat Records style. I thought that was pretty great, but he would have cost a lot more money. Mm-hmm. Um, but then Juan came up with these ideas and we were like, wow, that's actually really cool. Like, yeah. Um, but it was really all Juan. Like we didn't have any, like, we weren't like, let's do a foggy thing. Or something. <laughs> sure. like, I was trying to come up with something that fit the like title, but I like the abstract too. Yeah. The yeah. cover's really cool. Awesome. Well, is there anything that you wanted to make sure we touched on before we let you go. I kind of wish we had talked more about um, the true story of Craig's brother, but you know, let's do it, man. Maybe after it comes out, we could do a whole true story of Craig's brother podcast. Ooh, absolutely. I, mean, I, I just, I didn't know. I just didn't know how much you wanted to reveal. I, you know, I thought it was supposed to be little, a little secret. It is a little secret, but the secret's better. If there's like, the people who are in on the secret, you know. Okay. Um. Well, Make everybody else I, will want to be in on. This okay. Well, then, well, I'll ask this question then, and to 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 tantalize. Um, will you do your own nude scenes? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah! Just I just flash my I just flash my man boobs right now. <laughs> Podcast listeners. Hell yes! Um, it's gonna be the director's cut. Um, that's just for the patreon i was kind of thinking like uh you know the rock would play me sure (laughs) sure naturally (laughs) he gives off a ted vibe i feel like (laughs) 
are there uh, nude scenes well i was i was thinking <laughs> i was thinking like the the scene you know what you're you're on squatting down on the desk i'm like i don't know if that would be oh yeah the pooping scene yeah yeah i don't yeah. know if you get a little little butt little butt action little side butt you know what, 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 what i would i would do that I, you know assuming i'm gonna be i play myself maybe somebody else would play me i don't know but if i had to i would definitely poop on a desk <laughs> you heard it here first folks um yeah That's, this uh <laughs> that'll be that'll be you know a pull quote in in a review yeah about the new album i would definitely poop on a desk ted bond um <laughs> I mean, I think we've just, I think we've achieved what I wanted. Like, just imagine how, you know, tantalized people are. Now. Like, <laughs> really yeah, this is the kind of tease uh, that'll get people to uh, fund this thing. Is the promise of uh, the pooping scene? Yeah, Ted the- poops on a desk. I have to say, <laughs> say no um, more. <laughs> yes, this it is. Some, uh, this is some Oscar bait right here. <laughs> it is truly wonderful hearing about this uh, questionable. Uh, history of the band uh, and how it came to be um and, and and i mean i feel like of the of the parts of the script um that are you know fabricated the one true part is that uh you got your first guitar from jesus i mean yeah. i feel like i think that's <laughs> who was on the run at the that time was, <laughs> <laughs> and the and the and the, the like the the notes uh in of the script saying that like jesus gets the shit beaten out yeah, of him by, by the cops by the cops, by cops. Like, pretty perfect yeah. no explanation just <laughs> i gotta see this thing this has to happen we're invested now yeah i mean i just um, assume that if jesus showed up you know the first time they crucified him these days it would be cops beating the shit out of him oh absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and then dealing on him until he died. Yeah, turning off their body cameras, you know, <sighs> not great. Um, but no. I'm glad that he gave you that guitar. Yes, um, yes. It's, it's scenes like that and, and many others to be found in this uh, in this movie that's to come. That uh, you know, Magpod will will back its uh, producing support behind it. Um, I think one of my favorite scenes is the the Spinal Tap reference, the British uh-huh. accent. <laughs> yeah. They so stole good. our rain. <laughs> Those bloody wankers stole our rain. <laughs> so good, man. Uh, it's yeah. I, you're talking about uh, not taking yourself too seriously on this record, and I feel like a, a parody biopic is exactly what is the missing piece of the Craig's brother picture right now. It needs to happen. Yeah. What I think is great is that we're not like a, a funny band. At least our right. our music isn't funny. Sure. I don't think we have hardly any lyrics that are funny. You do talk about poo on the new record a little bit, but I know, right? But I'm saying it totally seriously. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> Which is funny because, like, I think part of the reason that song took so long to come out was like everybody's like poo, like come on, dude. And then somehow in 2022, it's like yeah, poo, of course. Let's talk <laughs> right. about poo. Like that's the way the so world. Are we it's the opening track is the poo song, or <laughs> got the poo scene, the poo song, got the poo scene, the poo song. Um, poutine if you're going poo- up to Montreal That's oh, true. I don't know <laughs> I don't know keep your poo scene out of my poutine okay? <laughs> that's what I always say um, well what better way to end <laughs> a meaningful conversation yeah. with the poo scene and the poutine um, 
Ted, man, we are we are huge fans of you. Uh, we're huge fans of your music. Uh, very psyched to finally talk to you, and uh, would love to talk to you again sometime. Would love to help set up uh, any kind of Midwest show we can get going. Help out with the movie. Um, but yeah, yeah, we're very very uh, psyched about this new record. So yeah, people need to go pick up easily one rarely deserved. It is out now. Um, yeah, anything else you want to direct folks to? No. But thanks a lot, you guys, for having me on. It's I'm, I'm glad we finally did it. Absolutely. And hopefully um, we can do an in-person hang one of these days. Yeah. Yeah. We have to. Let's go up to Montreal. Let's do it there. Yes. That sounds yeah. great. You guys should come to Redbridge. Let's do it. It's insane. That sounds great. And, well, I don't know. I've never been there, but apparently it's insane. <laughs> I would like to go there. Let's do it. Where totally. is it? It's in Quebec City. Or I think right outside of Quebec City. But Quebec cool. City is awesome. Shit, I need to get my passport renewed. Oh, yeah, I just did that recently. Um, yes, let's make that happen. Uh, see you in Canada. <laughs> Ted, thank you so much for this, man. Appreciate it. Of course, you guys. Have a good evening. You too. As they found it some cavity, but all I see is poo. Your excuses are new. No poo to be seen in that interview, though. No, but thank you to <laughs> Ted Bond uh, for talking poo and lots of other stuff with us. What a Most, great dude. Most, mostly we talked poo, I think. Yeah, it was the main sort of takeaway, I feel like. Poo. Um, anyway, <laughs> great dude. Um, great dude. Go buy this record. Uh, pressure them into playing some shows so that we can see them perform live. Uh, let's get this movie funded, etc. Um, let us know what you think about this conversation with Ted at Magnified Pod on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Follow and subscribe to the pod if you haven't already and give us a rating or a review. We will read your review on the show. Review. E- <laughs> uh, email us. I'm trying to find a way to put the EU in there and I can't. Um, email us at magnifiedpod at gmail.com. You can leave us a voicemail, 872-472-4763-872-MAGPOD. <laughs> Support us on the Patreon, patreon.com slash magnified pod. Pick up some. I think I fucked up the, that entire <laughs> the phone number. 8727 oh, MagPod. Sorry, I stepped on it with my important joke. Um, you can pick up we're some. We're not new... trying to make fun of you, Ted. No, we're I feel not. Like, I feel like we're, it's just coming off like we're making fun of yeah, you. Yeah, just immediately launching into <laughs> shitting on him. You know, we do you, it I out of love. Mean, I think you mean poo. Pooing on him. <laughs> Um, can't emphasize enough how much I respect this man and his music. <laughs> um, truly. Uh, and you can tell that by um the how much great way I'm him. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Sometimes I was telling you to do this off mic that I'm like, sometimes I feel like I'm like, you're so great to our guests, but I truly I couldn't help myself with this one. Um yeah. anyway, uh what's also great is that season four merch you can pick up at magnifiedpod.storyandby.com. Thanks to Small Step Records for sponsoring us. Go to smallsteprecords.com to learn more. And thanks to Shadow Producer Jason and Bruno at Unoriginal Vinyl for our artwork. Well, I think I hear the voice of the spirit begging us to shut the fuck up. Uh, we'll be back to try to make you go astray in two weeks' time because uh, this week is Thanksgiving as you folks are listening to this. So we'll be off uh, next week as we're recording this. Uh, but in two weeks' time, we'll be back to properly discuss Craig's Brothers, easily won, rarely deserved. Oh, yeah. Your bold, enough to come out of your hole. I guess you think the things you say are.
Good shit. Yeah. Fuck you, racist. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was Magna Fright Pod with the opening organ notes there for a second. That's true. For more shows like this one, visit rockcandyrecordings.com.